Thank you for tuning in to The Black Print, where we build love for knowledge relating to the Black experience. I'm your host, Ashley, and you're now listening to episode one, where we will talk about Jay-Z, Made in America, a book written by Michael Eric Dyson. Jay-Z, Made in America, is about lyrical genius, of course, Jay-Z, written by another lyrical and writing genius, Michael Eric Dyson. Many of us may not know that Michael Eric Dyson is a professor at Georgetown University here in Washington, D.C., and that he has spent the last decade educating his students through a course specifically about Jay-Z. So it's only right that Michael Eric Dyson remind the world why Jay-Z should be mentioned amongst the world's greatest poets. The book goes far deeper than music. It touches on so many aspects of who Jay-Z is as a man beyond rap. And I'll be the first to admit, I consider myself a fan somewhat of Jay-Z, more so now than I was before. A lot of his songs that really resonate with the inner city communities, I actually am ashamed to admit, but have not heard until or during the time that I was reading um, Jay-Z Made in America. So I have a better understanding now of how Jay-Z had the ability to mix drug dealing, politics, and Black history all in one verse of a song. Jay-Z eloquently raps about the Black experience from his point of view And even though he is decades removed from his inner city experiences, he has the ability to be a 50 plus year old rapper still making music that is relevant today because our youth, particularly our black males, still experience and still have to live and grind the same way that he did however many years ago. To sum up this book, you have a rapper and what Michael Eric Dyson coins a public thinker in Jay-Z who clearly knows his shit, as well as Michael Eric Dyson, the author and mastermind behind Jay-Z Made in America, who in his own right, amongst a million things, knows his shit as well. I'm sure I could come up with a million more, but after reading Jay-Z Made in America, there are seven key takeaways we can definitely use to strengthen our communities. The first three come from the similarities and relationship between Jay-Z and Nipsey Hussle. Both are men who have a deep and profound love and respect for their communities. Of course, we know Nipsey Hussle unfortunately lost his life living in his. Both evolved into rappers gifted in their ability to raise the conscience beyond material gain and sexual innuendos. Basically, they both made thinking critically about social and political issues cool again And not only did they make it cool again, they gave us the courage and pride in speaking about our issues and our concerns on a platform beyond our own communities. So you can see our issues now on CNN. You see professional athletes once again doing what Muhammad Ali did decades ago, and that's standing up for things that we believe in. This leads me to our first takeaway. Always invest in people who inspire you. Jay-Z purchased 100 of Nipsey Hussle's early mixtapes for $100 each because he was inspired. So let that sink in. That's a $10,000 investment. He didn't just say, here, take 10 stacks and make something happen. 
He looked at Nipsey, respected what he did. He was inspired. And he basically said, I see you making something happen and I like it. Side note, he did the same thing with a Black-owned vegan cookie company that he fell in love with. Now, not only should we invest in people who inspire us, but communities as well. Both Jay-Z and Nipsey practice what they preached, as seen in their respective communities. Jay-Z received a lot of criticism for how gentrified his native Brooklyn has become, but it's a far cry from what it once was. Now, don't get it twisted. I don't fuck with gentrifiers, but I do get it. Anyway, imagine if we took our money and reinvested it into our communities. And I'm not just talking about Black-owned businesses. And I'm definitely not talking about the neighborhood liquor stores. Because for all I care, they can take that poison back to their own communities. I'm talking about that Black-owned spice shop, that Latino-owned coffee shop, or that white-owned restaurant. Shout out to the Spice Suite, Laku, and Homestead in D.C. Next, if your community has that neighborhood nip, respect them and see how you can help. Our local leaders can't do it alone. It takes a collective to affect change. If Stacey Abrams didn't register almost a million people to vote, Georgia wouldn't be a blue state. And yeah, they're still counting or about to do a recount by hand, but it's blue. It's as blue as the blood flowing through our veins. And if your community doesn't have a neighborhood nip, you should probably stand in front of a mirror because it may be you. My next key takeaway comes from the beef, and I use that term very loosely, between Jay-Z and Drake. As Jay-Z matured, he began rapping about art. Drake tried to knock him down, but in the past couple of years, you see Drake has now evolved, and so now he's rapping about his Murakami in his hallway, right? So the beef was cute, and what it teaches us is that we need to let our kids see not just famous art, but the local artists. Don't walk past that artist standing on 14th Street or that artist trying to sell you some of their work outside of Starbucks. Take a moment out of your time to admire their work. If you don't want to purchase anything, try to give a small donation. And if you don't have a small donation to give, at the very least, give them some words of encouragement because that shit goes a long way. Jay-Z went from what Michael Eric Dyson calls blight hustle into bright hustle. Basically, he had to make a way out of no way because, of course, in the words of Tupac, America eats its babies. So Jay-Z, in his own words, said, Hove did that, so hopefully you don't have to go through that. The word hopefully stands out. I respect those who have to hustle to make a way because clearly they have no way, and it is hard out here, but I don't respect those who blight hustle for fun. They take our communities, they fuck them up, and they're doing it for sport. Those are the ones who should just be like Drake and keep it real cute. As crazy as this may seem, though, I think we should do a better job of reaching out to those dudes on the block, especially if you're a gentrifier. You can simply say hello and get to know who is up to what. Sometimes our youth need a little direction. Hell, the older dudes need direction as well. And you never know what your expertise is and how it can help benefit them so that one day they can pay it forward and help the next group of brothers out on the corner. Another great thing about Jay-Z is that he has a small circle of family and friends who he trusts. 
And though we may have to be careful at times, I think it's important that we speak the names of our circle and rooms we know they belong in. When it comes to our close friends and family who are adults, of course, I think it's more important that we help them learn skills and invest financially in that instead of just saying, here's a couple of dollars, go figure life out. Jay-Z is great at this. Also, LeBron James is someone who embodies this um, key takeaway. He took his childhood friend, Rich Paul, gave him the tools he needed to be an agent, and look at him now. When Jay-Z started speaking about criminal reform, he made it table talk for billionaires like Robert Kraft, who's the owner of the Patriots, and the 76ers owner, Michael Rubin. He spoke out loud what many have whispered in our communities for generations. He even took it a step further when he produced the two documentaries, one on Trayvon Martin and the other on Khalif Browder. Then he took further by fighting to have Meek Mill freed after he was incarcerated for a bullshit probation violation. He later rapped about the black judge who tried to take him down. I'll never forget uh, a part of Meek Mill's verse in Oodles and Noodles Baby where he's talking about the judge first saying that she would give him a chance, but then called him a menace to society. And again, as crazy as this may seem, we all know in our communities, we have to stop these officers, lawyers, and judges from making our loved ones out to be menaces to society. We have to make them get to know us, see our children, respect our children, because not every child standing on the corner is a criminal or thug. We have to do a better job in holding them accountable. So once this COVID shit blows over and we're back to having peewee football, we need to see officers come into the games, getting to know our children's names, because our little peewee kids turn into the teenagers that they begin terrorizing. Do you remember the key takeaways? Hopefully you took note, but just in case you didn't, here's a reminder. Invest in people who inspire you. Invest in places that inspire you. Respect and help our neighborhood leaders, value our art, guide our youth, help our community get a leg up, and make the law engage in our communities. To honor Jay-Z and show respect, I have five songs I suggest you play on repeat and think critically about. The first one is Can I Live? The second one is Meet the Parents. Third, I Did It My Way. Fourth, open letter, and finally, number five, which is my all-time favorite, introduced to me by my husband, somehow, some way. I think Beanie Siegel's on there and someone else. Thank you for tuning in to today's episode of The Black Print. Make sure you review, subscribe, and share. You can follow me on Instagram at Ashley Cobb Writes and at blackprint.thepodcast. That's at blkprint.thepodcast. Don't be a stranger. If you have a dope idea and would like to join me on a future episode, feel free to reach out. Until next time, I'm your host, Ashley.